everybody, and welcome back to episode 18 of She Existed After an Unexpected Week Off. What can I say? When your husband asks, hey, do you want to go to Florence this afternoon? You just say yes. Today I'm going to share a really fierce woman with you, Amina, also called Aminatu, ruler of a chunk of what is now part of northern Nigeria. She is largely accepted as having enough evidence to be accepted as an historical figure, although some resources that list rulers in her area do leave her out. I think we're pretty familiar with that sort of thing happening over here at She Existed, unfortunately, Um, but generally people do believe that she did exist. What this does mean is that we're not 100% sure exactly when she ruled, but most people agree that it was in the 16th century. One possible date for her death is around 1610, so we're looking at like mid-16th, very early 17th century, just about the beginning of colonialism that would of course wreak so much havoc on that region. So let's talk a little bit about the history of Nigeria to set the stage. Amina was a queen of Zazao, which is now a state within Nigeria called both Zazao and uh, Zaria, um, alternatively. But at the time, it was its own kingdom comprised of the Hausa people, which is the largest ethnic group in sub-Saharan Africa today. To clarify, there were several Hausa kingdoms at this time, and the Hausa were just one of several ethnic groups and cultures to split off from an earlier Nok civilization, NOK, that lasted from around 1000 BCE to 200 CE. So the Nok civilization was really interesting. It was said to be very highly advanced, but we don't know all that much about it. Uh, We don't even know how it fell in 200 CE, as I said. But nevertheless, uh, it split into several groups that included the Hausa, the Biram, the Kanuri, the Nupe, among many others. The Hausa then, in turn, formed several of their own kingdoms that traded, intermarried, fought amongst themselves for centuries before the Europeans showed up. I mention this less because it's relevant to Amina's story exactly, uh, and more to just underscore the immensely diverse cultural histories at play here. I mean, I've actually met people, embarrassingly, (laughs) who talk about Africa as though it's a country. Yikes. So I think it's really interesting and important to spend a moment talking about just how many cultures and subcultures are contained even within one part of one country within the continent. It's kind of mind-boggling when you get right down to it. I mean, it's not so similar to my culture shock here in Italy that I've talked about a lot on the podcast. Um, As we read more about history and the vast differences between towns and cities, you know, I'm reminded that there is a whole universe of nuance and differentiation that is astounding. I mean, I actually had dinner with some friends from Rome a couple nights ago, and we had an extremely long conversation about the challenges of unifying uh, cultural diversity within Italy alone. So obviously, it's not so surprising that most entities that we think of as countries today, and take for granted as these uh, specific states, have pretty extreme levels of granularity when you really dive into them and keep narrowing down. So again, to recap, Um, In this part of the continent of Africa, there was this massive civilization called Nok, and that divided into several subgroups. And we are talking about one of these subgroups, the Hausa, and one of several kingdoms within it. (laughs) Historically, the Hausa practiced their own brand of animism called Bori that acknowledged spiritual forces within objects and people. Uh, Looking into Hausa animism was actually my first brush with uh, the term adorcism, which is sort of the inverse of exorcism. So rather than kicking the spirit out, like the spirit that has in theory possessed someone, 
Uh, rather than kicking it out, you perform rituals aimed at placating the spirit and encouraging peaceful coexistence. So this could actually lead to a rather positive relationship uh, between the person inhabiting the body, the spirit that has come in, and even cure illness, so they said. So that was kind of cool. And uh, as a result of this belief, some of the Hausa cultures were even led by a ruling class of priestesses. So there appeared to be a lot of respect for women, or at least use for women within these cultures. By the 14th century, however, Islam began to be a very significant force among the Hausa, and certain aspects of Bori, their animist religion, were driven underground, or actually incorporated into Islam. In some groups, a high priestess called Ina, or Mother of Us All, is what that translates to, who oversaw a network of priestesses who provided healing, divination, and protective services. By the 19th century, though, this was largely frowned upon, and by this time, the formerly powerful roles played by women amongst the Hausa were pretty much gone. Uh, and by the mid-20th century, women in governance would be pretty much unheard of. So when we talk about Amina, I think this history is really important to keep in mind. We don't actually have much solid evidence specifically about Hausa culture in her specific moment. Uh, like I said, we don't even know exactly what year she definitely ruled. Um, which means that we don't know just how much Islamic influence was part of her rule, how women were generally seen and generally treated. But as with many other cultures worldwide, there does seem to be some evidence for a past in which women were more revered and allowed a greater role in society that eventually gave way to a more male-dominated social and political structure. So where Amina precisely falls within that timeline, that shift, we don't know. But obviously, she was able to become accepted as a queen, uh, and one who was quite revered. So, let's get into it. According to oral legends collected by David E. Jones, Amina was raised in the home of her grandfather, who favored her and taught her about military exploits and politics. Her father was King Nikatau, and her mother was Queen Bakra Turunku, and she was one of three of their children. We don't know that much about her sister Zarya, although one version of events that I read said that she ran away from her home. Why? We don't know. But later, as I mentioned a little earlier in the podcast, the British actually renamed the city-state of Zazao, the realm that Amina ended up ruling, um, but they renamed it after her, so it is now also called Zarya. Amina's brother Karami ruled for about 10 years before he died, but not before Amina had distinguished herself in his cavalry. Indeed, uh, a peaceful queen, Amina was not. One of her first orders as ruler was to tell her people to resharpen their weapons, and within three months of ascending to the throne, she began a military campaign to expand the borders of Zazu, a campaign that lasted 34 years, that consisted of an army of 20,000 foot soldiers and 1,000 cavalry troops. Even today, she is remembered in Hausa songs as, quote, Amina, daughter of Nikatau, a woman as capable as a man that was able to lead men to war. In addition to expanding the territory of Zazao, she is credited with encouraging the cultivation of the kola nut, as well as ordering the building of a number of very cool-looking defensive walls to protect her new lands. Many of these walls still exist today and are known as Ganuar Amina, or Amina's Walls. Although Zazu was already a well-established trading center long before Amina, her expansion allowed for a number of additional trade routes for all kinds of goods, but in particular, slaves, as Zazao was historically a collection point for the slave trade in this part of the world. 
Slaves were, unfortunately, an extremely common form of trade or currency at the time. Allegedly, uh, at her 16th birthday, Amina was given 40 female slaves as a gift, and slaves were often a part of the marriage proposals that she received constantly throughout her life. Amina would never marry, however. In fact, legend says that she would take a new lover or a temporary husband everywhere she went, but only for a single night. After this one night together, Amina would order her companion beheaded in the morning so that none could ever share his intimate knowledge of the queen. Pretty badass. I read a few versions of her death, including one that included a peaceful death, and another one that claims that uh, she was never recorded as having actually died, so take that how you will. Maybe she's still roaming the plains. Obviously, her legacy has lived on, although historian Michael Crowder notes that after her death, quote, ruling-class housewomen experienced a steady diminution in their influence and were systematically deprived of their authority and autonomy. The traditional titles and offices relating to authority over women and redress of their grievances have now become nominal or have been discarded altogether. And indeed, this generally seems to have continued to be the case even in more recent Nigerian history. I found a really interesting academic article by a woman named Antoinette Tijani Alu from 2009 called Niger and Sarayunia, 100 Years of Forgetting Female Leadership, that focuses specifically on the erasure of female leaders, who are called Sarayunia, over the last hundred years or so, in a region of Niger which, if you didn't know, is actually a separate country to the north of Nigeria, but ethnically and culturally it's also largely Hausa. She writes, quote, History books, which are far too few, largely ignore the queens, priestesses, and female chiefs of the recent past, thus depriving Niger of powerful national female role models. And that's one of the reasons that we need to remember that Amina, Queen of Zazo, leader and warrior, existed. All right, so I want to add in a quick note here. Uh, we hear it, she existed, so really just me, Ashlyn, hi, <laughs> it's just me here. Um, I want to make it clear that I do not share these stories because I necessarily endorse what the women I'm talking about did. Do I think it's cool to behead a dude after banging him? No, we're human, not praying mantises. Do I think it's cool to expand slave trade routes? No, obviously not. Hopefully that is not what you're taking away from this podcast, but I figured I'd cover this just in case because unfortunately I've heard enough uh, feminism is just women wanting to take over, basically doing to men what men did to women arguments in my time, that I figured I should make my position very clear. The focus of She Existed is to elevate and share stories of women that the historical record has largely ignored, because I want to try to have a better understanding of human history and because I think, uh, especially with very ancient history, which I do believe we often project contemporary patriarchal viewpoints that may have not been totally accurate in their time, but regardless, overall, women have been inaccurately and unfairly expunged from the record of human history, or seen as secondary to it. The takeaway from the podcast should never be, slavery or murder is okay if women do it. I want the takeaway to be that although cultures of domination disproportionately disenfranchise women, Really, nobody wins when we have that kind of hierarchical power structuring. Some of the women I talk about are admirable in and of themselves as artists or creators or just leaders. Some are admirable because they play a role in empowering women today, which is a category I'd place Amina in. It is really important to have female role models. I'm glad little Nigerian girls have a strong historical queen to look up to, even if, yeah, I would probably prefer if her example was one of peace. 
some of the women I'll get to are probably even squarely in the uh, cool story but good lord she sucked category. Like, if Elizabeth Bathory were less well known, I'd totally do a piece on her. Rarely are people squarely in one category, though. Well, Elizabeth definitely was. I mean, they called her the Blood Countess for a reason. So the thing that women I share do have in common is that they haven't been given their place in history, whether it's a flattering look for womankind or not. I personally believe that we are going to struggle as a species to reconcile our relationship with violence, especially as it pertains to gender, and head towards a more egalitarian social structure if we don't just get really honest about what our past and legacy actually is, which includes women as a critical half of the historical record. So, all that aside, uh, alright, I think that's about it for today. Um, here is what you can look up to learn more about Amina, if you should so choose. Amina is spelled A-M-I-N-A. Zazau, um, that is now a, a city, but at the time was the region that she ruled. Uh, Z-A-Z-Z-A-U. The Hausa, H-A-U-S-A. Adorcism, so that is um, when rather than expelling a foreign spirit, you try to reconcile it within a person. A-D-O-R-C-I-S-M. Sarwania, that is the uh, the name for the queen in... Um, certain parts of Niger. S-A-R-R-A-O-U-N-I-A. Thanks for listening, everyone, and I will see you next week.